0: here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism, and Brynn is out shoveling a giant pile of snow that we got overnight. Um, And so I said, well, you're doing all the shoveling, I will do the podcast. So here I am. Um, And today I want to talk about a new series that we're going to start and we're going to kind of intertwine it with the Materia Medica series that we have going on. So don't worry, the Materia Medica will be back next week. But we'll just sort of weave these two together. And this new series is sort of based on this like little bumper sticker that I have going on in my head lately. Herbalist is a verb, right? Um, these are just a bunch of thoughts that we hope will be really relevant for you, whether you are starting an herbal business or building a clinical practice or just herbing it up in your own life at home. Um, so this is a little on the philosophical side and a little less on the, um, like herbal practice side, but I will still remind you that, um, I am an herbalist, I am not a doctor, this is not medical advice, you know the reclaimer and obviously I don't know the reclaimer because Rin always has it on the computer and I read it every time even though I have said it however many hundred times now, 200 some odd times now, whatever, y'all know, not a doctor, an herbalist, and hey, that's enough. Actually, honestly, just a girl who really likes to talk about plants and that's true And also kind of at the crux of what we're going to talk about today. So I really want to like introduce this idea of herbalist is a verb. And, um, you know, we're going to kind of expand this in many different directions. But today I want to kind of maybe put this in the context of imposter syndrome. Because these days, there is so much talk about imposter syndrome and people feeling like they're a fraud, like they're not doing it, whatever it is for them, right? There's so much talk about how to avoid imposter syndrome or how to redirect those thoughts. And like, I mean, if you look at social media anywhere, it's just, it's everywhere. There's this concept of imposter syndrome. So this new series is not just about avoiding imposter syndrome. It's really about being a better herbalist, regardless of what level you practice at. And it is absolutely about being more successful with your herbal strategies, whether that's at home or in business, all that kind of stuff. But for today, I want to start with this concept of imposter syndrome, because I think that it really illustrates the overall idea of herbalist is a verb. So... If you think about that, what I'm really saying is that an herbalist is an action. They like a a person who is an herbalist is a collection of actions. You will know them by their actions. Right. And so imposter syndrome only ever happens if you make herbalist into a noun. Like if herbalist is your identity or if you are using it as a name or like a title. I mean, it is a title. Language works that way. But I'm I'm getting really nitpicky about actions here. So just kind of be a little loose with the parts that we're going to be a little loose with and be nitpicky about the parts we're nitpicking. It's not the normal places where we would nitpick and be loose. Okay. If you're letting herbalist be a noun, a thing that you are That's where you can get stuck in imposter syndrome. Or if you let herbalist be an adjective, a thing that describes you, that can lead you to imposter syndrome. But if herbalist is a verb, if herbalist is an action that you do regularly, then you can never, ever feel imposter syndrome. It will never happen to you. Let me explain. So like I said, right now, Rin is out shoveling the driveway. Um, we got like 12 inches of snow last night. And of course, the snow blower is in the repair shop. Um, and our driveway at our new house is really long. So it's like a football field. <laughs> so he's out shoveling. I think it, it may be more than a football field anyway. He is shoveling it all. Uh, and he could go into the world and say he shoveled the driveway like, you know, in casual conversation, like, Oh, what did you do yesterday? Like, whatever. And no one would ever be like, you're such a fraud, (laughs) right? He would never feel like an imposter because the driveway is shoveled and his muscles are sore, right? Like, this is a thing that happened. It is true. It is real in the world. It is a verb. He shoveled past tense, but still. If you make herbalist that, your life you will never feel imposter syndrome. If herbalist is a piece of paper that you hang on the wall or a pile of books that you have and then you go and say something about herbs in casual conversation it's really easy to get into that place where you feel a little defensive because someone might maybe they ask a question and maybe you don't have an answer and then that imposter syndrome really creeps in or maybe it rushes in, right? But if herbalist is what you do every day, even if you have a day job, even if you're still a student, any of those things, it's just something that is an action that you do in your life, then you're never really out there saying, I'm an herbalist. And then people say to you, well, prove it. And then you panic like that isn't what happens. You're just out there talking about the tea you made yesterday and oh yeah, I'm dehydrating some red clover that I grew this summer or whatever. And you've got tinctures macerating on your counter and you're trying some new herb that you never worked with before. You can't feel like an imposter because the jar is on the counter filled with the vodka and the whatever plant you're, the catnip, whatever you're making a tincture of right now, right? It is real. It is an actual thing. It is on your counter. It is taking up space. Your, you know, housemates or spouse might be complaining about that fact. (laughs) Right? Um, And so the things that you're talking about and the way that you're talking about them, they are the proof. They are your actions. Okay, you might not know everything in the world about all herbal things, just like Rin may not know everything there is to know about all the different kinds of shovels there are in the world. That doesn't mean he didn't shovel the driveway. And if somebody says, oh, did you use a, this kind of shovel or a that kind of shovel, he will be like, I don't know, my shovel's gray, man, and I shoveled a lot of snow with it. He doesn't feel like an imposter. He just is like, my shovel is gray. It's got like a little metal strip on it. I, there was ice in the snow. It, it sucked actually, right? When you are speaking from your actions and somebody asks you a question, and it goes into territory that you don't really know, you never feel ashamed to just be like, oh, I don't know about that. But let me keep telling you about my catnip tincture because I'm really excited about it. Like, it's just, it doesn't really trap you in that place of like, oh, God, there's stuff I don't know, right? Because you're talking about what you do know. You're talking about what you do, like your actions, your daily life. So it doesn't feel like, oh, God, there was one question I didn't know the answer to. Now I question my entire existence. You can't question your existence. The catnip tincture is right there on the counter. It exists, it's real, and so are you. This is also why so often we talk about um, like never suggesting something to other people that you haven't tried yourself. For example, if you've never tried blue vervain, but you read in a book that it does this or that, and you tell people, oh, you should take vervain because it does this or that. At that point, you're kind of in danger of imposter syndrome because they may ask a question and you don't have much to go on. You just read a line or two about it in a book and you you don't you don't have any more depth than that. You're like kind of stuck at that point. But if you read in a book that Blue Vervain can do this or that and you think, oh, really? And then you make vervain your herb of the month or herb of the season or however long. And you study it a bunch. Sure, in books, in videos, in anything, right? But also you take it every day. You keep notes about your experience. You keep notes about what you notice in your body and in your emotions. And after all that, you recommend vervain to someone. You have the authority of your experience and it's real. So if someone asks a question, if they say, oh, but it's so bitter, how can you possibly manage? You have so many responses. They they just flood out of you because they are your lived experience. You'll be like, oh, I just take it as a tincture and I make a yuck face, and then I just drink something else. Or, oh, I mix it in with these other things like Chelsea and Peppermint and Penny because they have strong flavors that I like and it just covers up the vervain. Or, actually, that bitter kind of helps me. I just started taking it before meals so I could double up on the actions in the nervous system and also the bitter for my digestive health. So oh, yeah, it's bitter, but hey, it's helping me, actually. That's fantastic, right? Like, you have so many things you could say And again, it never occurs to you to feel like you've been challenged. It never occurs to you to feel like your identity is on shaky ground. It never occurs to you to feel like maybe you're a fraud. They ask the question and you in fact have not only one answer, but probably a lot. Because you tried it yourself, right? Now, of course, you can't experience everything in the world. That's not possible. You're in the body that you're in. And maybe your body has never experienced rheumatoid arthritis. There's a no lot you can do about that. But maybe you still want to be able to help people maybe a dear friend of yours has rheumatoid arthritis. And you're like, man, I, I want to do something to help. That's okay. You don't have to have every experience to have experience, right? So the more that you experience with the plants, And the more that you study and in this case, you're gonna study, let's say, what people who do have rheumatoid arthritis have to say about what that's like in their body. And it is not the same. It is different from person to person. And so you spend a lot of time like reading or talking to people who have uh, rheumatoid arthritis and learning about what that feels like in their body. And you spend a lot of time working with plants and now, You're starting to think, okay, this is over here is an experience I don't have, but this over here is experiences I do have. And if I were having this kind of experience, I know what these plants feel like in my body. And I can sort of start to imagine how I might weave those together, right? Now you can get somewhere. And so you meet up with your friend now who you want to be helping. You meet up with them in collaboration your experience of the plants and the plants in your body and their experience of what it's like to live with rheumatoid arthritis in their body. Those two sets of experiences come together and they just build this amazing full spectrum of knowledge. And by knowledge here, I really mean something more like muscle memory, something like lived experience, right? That knowledge is also going to include all the different people's accounts of living with rheumatoid arthritis that you read. Sure, that's preparation, that's study, that is whatever. But really, it is that deep muscle memory, that deep knowing of things inside yourself, because you've done it so often. You Never have to go check a book to remember what an apple tastes like. You just know because it's in you, You, you've tasted an apple however many times you've tasted it or whatever fruit is your favorite, right? It's like that. Just like a person who's living with rheumatoid arthritis, they don't have to look up in a book what it feels like. They live with it every day. They know what it feels like. They're experts on it, in fact. So when we put those two things together, those two sets of lived knowledge in your body, now we can use that to come up with strategies that will be a starting point for experimentation because everything is an experiment, right, and ultimately that will lead to a protocol or a series of protocols that will really work in your friend's life and really actually be helpful for them and that protocol will be that joining of the experiences that you have had, the actions, the verb of being an herbalist, the verb of herbalisting, and their experience of living in their body and knowing what that's like from day to day. Right? Okay, now I want to come back to that certificate on the wall and that pile of books that I mentioned. There is nothing wrong with those. They are fantastic. It's great if you have those. Um, it's great to document the work that you've done with a certificate. Um, absolutely. And of course, it's fine and even great to have a pile of books or podcasts or whatever else that you like. Books are great places to get ideas that you can then go test out in your body, maybe with your friends, and see for yourself if they really work. So when you're thinking about books though, do note that publishers want to make money And while we're on this topic, it's really the publishers who make most of the money from books, not really the authors. But okay, that's a side. That's a side topic. Um, So publishers want to make money. They don't really care if someone is a good herbalist. Most publishers are not out there vetting herbalists before they let them write a book. They just want a book to sell. And so they're researching like What topics do people want to learn about? And if the book is about the topic, that's what they care most about. Um, So not every book about herbs is good. And not every book about herbs is coming from real lived experience. A lot of herbal books out there are just copy and paste. Um, Actually, probably, I guess soon, they'll have AI write the books, who even knows. But that's never gonna be a problem for you. It's not going to matter if you get a book and it turns out that book isn't good. You're going to know. You don't have to say, I'm afraid that I won't know. I'll be misled by a book that maybe it doesn't have good information in it. You're going to know. Why are you going to know? Because you're going to see something in a book. You're going to say, hmm, that's very interesting. Let me try it and see. And then you will know for sure. You won't, you won't ever have to think what if I don't know that this book isn't good. You will know because you will try what it says, and if it works, then it works. And if it doesn't work, eh, maybe that book was a better doorstop. Right? It's fine. But ultimately, the key here is the verb. You tried it. Right? You experimented. There was an action and you did it. All right. So that's some philosophy around this bumper sticker that's been bouncing around in my head. Um, Just to sort of introduce the idea, let's think about it for a minute in some real life terms. If you're wanting to start an herbal business in the world and you're thinking, oh, I want to make sure that my business is solid and good and has integrity and um, that I don't feel like an imposter while I'm out there with my herbal business, then make sure that part of your business work is that you in your own life herb it up every day right? And that might look like making new formulas every day and testing them out with your friends and family so that you can come up with something really special for your product line. Absolutely. It might look like going back through your own case files of when you've worked with people and thinking to yourself, okay, great, but What if I was working on this case and I didn't have access to any of the herbs that I actually recommended? What would I recommend in this situation instead of those herbs, right? To sort of like push your flexibility, push your boundaries, push your knowledge. And if you can't think of any herbs that you would have recommended as an alternate, then great. It's time for action, right? It's time to start experimenting for yourself. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to start trying things and find out, like, how would I get the actions that I need for this person um, if I didn't have those herbs that I recommended, right? It's an invitation to experimentation. It might be that you say to a friend, hey, I read this thing in a book and I want to try it out to see if it's good or if it works or if I like it or if I feel like it's relevant to my life. I want to get some experience with it and i was wondering would you try it with me and give me your feedback so that i can know how it feels in my body but also hear how it's feeling in your body would you be willing to do that with me um lots of times friends are willing to do that with you especially if they're irby friends right and if you don't have herby friends local to you jump into the community space and just say hey i'm doing an herbal experiment and I am looking for some people to do the experiment with me and we can all share our data and see what comes up, right? You can totally write that in the community space. And lots of other of our students would be happy to do that with you, I'm sure. Uh, It might be that you build a new habit that like every evening you pick one person who was a part of your day doesn't matter if it was like the cashier at the grocery store or your spouse or like a person you didn't even talk to, you just saw them walking you know, across the street, whatever. But somebody in your day that you, that you noticed something about. Maybe you saw somebody walking over there and it's the middle of summer and they were wearing shorts and they have varicose veins and you thought, oh, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to build a whole herbal protocol for that person. You're never going to give that protocol to that person. You're probably never going to see that person again, but it is an opportunity for you to exercise. It's an opportunity for you to experiment and see what can you come up with and then not just to write it out on paper, but like the next day, try to do that protocol through the whole day, right? Like, is it a good protocol? Did you make a tea blend like rec- that you might have recommended, but it turned out it was super bitter and like it was really hard to drink? Um, did you set some sort of a goal, like get this much sleep, but it was too much or too little or too impossible? Was your protocol that you came up with manageable with your regular workload? All these kinds of experiments make you a better practitioner. So, Where you get the idea, the inspiration isn't super important. It is about like, oh, okay, I imagine a person who has this kind of problem. I'm going to design a protocol for them. The real action comes in when you then try to live that protocol the next day and see for yourself how did that feel in your body. How, you know, even if you don't have whatever you're trying to design a protocol for, maybe the protocol that you want to come up with needs to be drying because the person you want to work with has some edema. Well, okay, the next day when you drink that tea, does it feel drying in your body? Do you feel like, oh, yeah, no, that would definitely be drying for that person? Or did you miss? Maybe it wasn't drying enough. Um, Whatever it happens to be. These kinds of activities are the things that make you a really good herbalist with a lot of experience that you can draw on right in the moment when somebody's asking you a question. You don't have to go back and check things. You might not even remember that you remember it until somebody asks you a question. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, I tried that out a couple months ago. And this is what I found. And uh, I meant to do a little follow up on that. And I didn't. Hey, do you want to try some experimentation together? And we'll see what happens, right? there's no feeling of fraud in that kind of conversation. There's only the excitement of experimentation and the excitement of action, right? If you are living herbalist as a verb, there's no space for imposter syndrome. There's only excitement about, oh, let's try it. Let's find out, you know, or drawing on the body knowledge that you have of, oh no, I tried that a couple weeks ago and this is what I found out about it, you know? It's never too late to start this kind of practice. Like if you've been feeling like your herbal studies are a little bit abstracted lately, if you've been just reading a lot of stuff and your head is starting to swim with all these herbal facts, it is the perfect time to verb up your herbalisting, right? and it doesn't matter if you don't have a ton of time or you know you you only have a you know half an hour every day that you can devote to herbalism that's fine you don't have to work fast you just have to work actively as a verb and so if you've been just reading a lot of stuff or watching a lot of instructional videos or whatever else but not trying it then right away today Just pick an herb that you've been studying lately and make some tea with it. It only takes like 10 minutes to make some tea. So just make some tea with it and don't make one cup of tea, make a whole quart of tea. It takes the same amount of time to fill up a mason jar of tea as it does to fill up a cup. Okay. Like maybe two seconds more, but now you can drink it all day long and it's already made. You don't have to stop and make it again. And so you're getting more experience. For the same time expenditure, you're just going to carry that mason jar around with you and drink the whole thing all day, whatever it happens to be. But bringing your study into action, that's, that's breathing life into the life you want to be living, right? Okay. So we'll talk about this some more over the next months. In between talking about Materia Medica. And we will talk about things like, can you be a good herbalist if you're not skinny? Yes. Herbalist is a verb. It has nothing to do with your body image. I know that there are like 10 million Instagram accounts with like skinny people wearing whatever they're wearing and they make everything look so beautiful and maybe your house is a mess and your life is a mess and you have like four French presses because... Today you make a French press and then you leave it on the counter like with the herbs still in the bottom because you don't have time to clean it out and tomorrow you make a fresh fresh one while that one is still on the counter and then like the next day you've got two on the counter waiting to be cleaned so like you grab a third one, right? Like it's okay if that's your life. That is the active verbing of herbalist. Your life doesn't have to look a certain way. It's the actions that you take. And if you want to go look at my kitchen sink, it is a mess right now. And yes, there is a French press full of old herbs that need to be dumped into the compost. Um, and anyway, yes, yes. You, We will also be talking about things like, can you be a good herbalist if you have a chronic illness? Oh my god, yes! Herbalist is a verb, and if you are dealing with health issues, that is just more opportunity to practice. And by the way, yes, you can be a good herbalist and still take pharmaceuticals, all of these things. Being an herbalist is a collection of actions, and if you are herbalisting and you take some pharmaceuticals that really help you manage some health issues, then hey, you're getting a lot of experience about making sure that you are safe with your herb-drug interactions, and that's extremely valuable. There's, There's nothing out there that's gonna make you lose your herbalism club card. Not the clothes that you wear, not how clean or dirty your house is, not if you live in a city, not if like all the things that you might have in your head about what you have to be to be an herbalist. You just have to be a verb. You just have to verb. Herbalist. That's it. We're also going to talk about professionalism, about some of the best ways to collaborate with clients to help them have successful outcomes, the best ways to come up with new products, everything that sort of falls under the verb of herbalist, the verb that is herbalist, Um, and probably more stuff as well. So, Um, Stay tuned for that. But next week, we'll have some more Materia Medica. Oh, and one more thing that I'm supposed to remember to say is that you should verb your herbalist with us. We would really love to have you and we want to help you be a verbi herbalist. So when you take online courses with us, whether it is the very beginning level or working as a community herbalist or a clinical herbalist, working through the business program, we're always trying to help you be very active in your work. There are twice a week opportunities to talk to us live. All the stuff is pre-recorded in videos so that you can watch it in the way that fits into your life. Maybe that is while you're doing the dishes, totally fine, mm, whenever it happens to be. And. So we hope that the learning materials fit into your life, whether you're watching the video, listening to the MP3 version, reading the quick guides, and then you can interact with us live so that you're getting direct feedback and making sure that you're on the right track and uh, getting help on designing some new cool experiments that you wanna do. Plus you can be talking in our community space Anytime time to all the other students who are experimenting and verbing up their herbalist being, herbalisting. Um, anyway, you can find all of our courses, all of our programs at online.commonwealthherbs.com. You can start with some free courses so that you can see if you like uh, to be a verby herbalist with us. And I think now that I have done all the things that are supposed to go into the podcast, and I think now is the part where Vin says, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, drink some tea, drink some tea, and verb herbalist today, this week, right now, all the time, just verb it up, bye-bye.